God is good. Amen. Yes. Well, good morning. <laughs> it's a great way to start the morning, isn't it? As the kids are exiting out here for grades three and four, and, and whoever our teacher is, God bless you, there's a lot of kids going. <laughs> With that being said, we need to recognize a few people. Um, I know it's Mother's Day, but let's start here. GPS, which is our Wednesday night kids program, and Tupas, which is our youth group, our middle school and high school youth group. Last week... Uh, the younger kids in it. This week, we still have the middle school and high school, and it's going to be there last week. But we want to take time and say thank you to all of our volunteers that help Wednesday night. And I want to throw in our Sunday morning children's workers and uh, nursery uh, workers. If you volunteer on Sunday uh, morning or Wednesday night, would you please stand? Would you please stand? I know you're here. Come on. There you go. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Yeah. And of course, the others we're going to recognize today is moms, right? Happy Mother's Day. Um, we truly do appreciate you moms, and, and uh, this is, is a great day to honor you. And, uh, and I know you come on Sunday of Mother's Day and say, like, oh, is it going to be a Mother's Day sermon or what? Yes and no. I am going to throw my aim towards the moms, but that does not exclude anybody else. So listen uh, and, and ask God to speak uh, I really feel like during the first service I muttered some things up, and it's like, okay, Lord, help me speak with clarity because I don't want to mess up His word. Um, and so, with that being said, um, I'm, I'm excited to, to encourage you because it's it's tough being a mom. So I want to give words of encouragement to you. You know, I, was, I read in a um, in a little article. It said in 1914, 95% of the births were at home. You know, we have the, moms, you have the luxury of a hospital now and all these caregivers and everything. 95% of babies born back in 1914 were at home. And then I thought about, okay, first of all, having a baby, I can't even relate to that. But you're, moms, you're tough, okay? We're just going to throw that out there. You are tough. And it's tough being a mom because, think about this too, when you are, uh, are you, your kids are young, you are going around and you are picking up toys and clothes and Unidentified objects off the floor and everywhere, right? Um, you're just busy out there. And I heard Phyllis Diller, she said this, cleaning your house while your kids are still growing is like shoveling the walk before it stops snowing. Right? Is that true? You just, it seems like it's, it's endless, right? It's tough being a mom. You got to juggle all kinds of things that come into your life. And here's the thing. If evolution were true, you'd have six arms by now, right? It's tough being a mom. It's tough to be mom because you got to make those selfless choices. Four pieces of pie, five of you sitting around the table. Mom, you're the one that usually says, you know what? I really don't like pie anyway. You guys go ahead and eat. Secret, we know. you got a secret stash of chocolate in the freezer, so you can say that, but you are selfless. You are selfless. And it's tough being a mom. You watch your kids fight and you become a referee and you're like, can't you just have peace in this room? And then they grow up and they leave and you're like, I just want these kids back in the room making noise again, right? It is emotionally and physically challenging for you moms. It's tough being a mom. But is it worth it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, that's not very reassuring right now. <laughs> Some of the kids are like, come on, mom. 
<laughs> yes, it's worth it. You'll endure like nobody else, physically, emotionally. Um, but, you know, you look in the Bible, and we can find some history in the Bible that should give you a little thought that being a mom is going to be tough. You know, you go back to Mary. She was first approached uh, by the angel Gabriel, and she learned very quickly that this was going to be different than her fairy tale thought. You know, most girls have these fairy tale, like, happily ever after Disney-like dreams, right? I'm going to be my prince, going to have a castle, I'm going to have these kids. And she's like, um, you're going to have a kid, but it isn't Joseph's. And um, when you have this baby, you're going to be in a town where nobody knows you, and it's going to be in a, in a place that's like a stall where animals are. You're going to be lonely. It's going to be disappointing. And so we go back and we look at some of the moms in the Bible, and it's like, wow, they didn't have it easy. It's tough. So for us to think any different, we're fooling ourselves, right? But I think that there's one story in particular I really like. Um, it's in Luke chapter 3. And I'll start off with the first part of this. Every year, Jesus' parents, they went to Jerusalem for the Passover uh, festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, get this, they, they attended the festival as usual. But when it was over, they started to head back home uh, towards Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. So you can imagine, this is a lot of people traveled at one time. So they had like a big caravan. So, okay, we're leaving. We're heading back to Nazareth. And Mary and Joseph are walking, probably thinking, hey, Jesus is hanging out with somebody else, one of his other friends. And, and Jesus is back still uh, hanging out in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because, again, they're sort of mixed up in this, this group, right? But when they didn't show up that evening, they started looking around for him. They're like, where's Jesus at? You know Jesus? And they're looking around, right? It says when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Joseph and Mary, they lost Jesus. Isn't that sort of crazy? How do you lose Jesus? How do you lose a 12-year-old? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to ask you to confess, but I'm sure somebody in here is like, where's my kid? I've lost him in Walmart. You know, you, lose, you know what I'm saying? It's happened before, right? We know it. Any 12-year-olds in here? 12-year-olds in here? Some of them are already out in the third, fourth grade maybe. Or no. Anyone? No confessions here. Okay, that's good. Some of these kids aren't in here. Here's, here's the thing. I, I could ask them, have you ever been left behind? And I go, yeah. And some of the parents are like, it's their fault. We told them, you know. All right. But this wasn't just like, uh, I missed my ride home. I forgot to pick you up at school. This was three days. Where's my kid? For three days. You want to talk panicky? Moms, can you imagine losing your kid for three days? Some of you are like, wipe that smile off your face. Let me. Okay, now seriously, you lose your kid for three days. You are panicking, right? And I look at that situation, and, and I wondered, was God preparing Mary's heart? How many days was Jesus missing? Three. How many days was Jesus in the tomb? Three. Did you ever think about that? That maybe this was a prequel to what was going to happen? That maybe God was saying, Mary, this is going to be tough down the road, so let me prepare you with some tough times now, because it's going to happen again. It's going to be feeling like a much worse situation, of course. But I look at that story, and, and, and I think, man, that was, that was tough. But let's remember, though, Mary also had the joy, though, of watching her son grow up. And, and maybe she, though, was confused at times in seeing him hang out with all these, these other young men, these disciples, he calls them, right? Why are you leaving the family business that we prepared for you, that Joseph had done such a good job, and, and you're running off and doing this kind of stuff, all this teaching? 
Mark chapter 3, verse 20, there's a verse that says this. One time Jesus entered a house. The crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. And when his family, here we go, his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. This is what they said. He's, he's out of his mind. Woohoo! A little crazy, right? Really? I mean, maybe some things didn't make sense to Mary about her son. He's acting a little crazy, right? But eventually Mary realized that Jesus is who? The Son of God. And, and she's awakened to his purpose. And she's taken on this roller coaster ride of emotions of watching her son then be treated cruelly and arrested and beaten and scourged and crucified and buried. How's a mom react to seeing a child go through pain? But then she sees her son resurrected, and that gives hope to all of us that one day we'll all be resurrected for those of us who believe, right? And so it was a journey of joy and then sorrow and joy again. So we go back to the Bible, we can see for moms. What we have to look forward to, right? It's tough. But I think it's even more tough if you don't understand your assignment as a mom. And, and I'm, so I was thinking about this. And I want to encourage moms and everybody else out there, you know, with, with questions that you might be asking about yourself. Who you are and what God's called you to do and, and how do you live that out? And so what I want to do is I want to, with the help of Brad Lemonic, he, he worked with Catalyst, wrote a book called H3 Leadership. And, uh, and I'd heard this, and it sort of helped me piece things together. So I want to share it with you and then tell you why it matters, okay? Uh, so let's, let's start with this. Let's talk about who we are, our identity, okay? Your identity is who you are. It's unchanging, Okay? And then we have your calling. It's, it's what we believe God's called us to do in this world. And then we have our assignment. It's, it's how my calling gets played out is uh, from one job to another. So, for example, for me, I am Rex Stump. I am the son of Leighton and Arlene Stump. I'm the father to Colin, Carter, and Clay Stump. And I'm husband to my wife, Jenny. That's, that's my identity. But more importantly, I am a child of God. I am loved. I am chosen. I'm adopted into his family. That's my identity. That's unchanging. That's who I am. But my calling is what God's called me to do. My purpose in this life. And then the assignments is how I live out my calling throughout my life. And that changes. Now, it's important that I share this with you. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because, especially for moms, sometimes you equate how you're doing as a mom with your identity. If you have a bad mom day or bad mom moment, you equate that with yourself saying, I'm a bad person. My identity is messed up. For, for the rest of us and for all of us, you lose a job, you change jobs or something. It's like, oh no, my job has changed. I lost my job. What's my purpose in life? What, who am I? It's like, no, wait a minute, that's... Your job and all that, that's your assignment. You following me on this? Identity never changes. Calling is God's purpose for your life. Your assignment, that's your jobs and the things you do, and that's how you live out these other things. Hope that makes sense. As, as a Christian, um, we, we need to understand this. The author and catalyst, Brad uh, Lominick, as he said this, Lominick, I'm sorry, from his book, he said this. While our calling expresses how we were built and what we're designed to do best. An assignment is the way you live out that. Your calling is made up of seasonal purpose assignments. So again, if I'm struggling with my stuff at work, 
That's not my identity. If, if I'm on the varsity and, and all of a sudden coach says, I'm going to move you down to JV, my world hasn't come to an end. But a lot of us think it has. I'm not good enough to be in varsity. Okay, wait, separate that, please. Okay. You have a new assignment. Your identity hasn't changed. Your calling with God's purpose in your life hasn't changed. You've just been reassigned to a different place to live out your calling. Oh, I just lost my job. My life's come to an end. I have no purpose in life. No, no, no. You still got purpose in life. Your identity hasn't changed. Your calling hasn't changed. You just have a new assignment. You're going to be working somewhere else now. That's a new assignment. Does that make sense to everybody? And the reason I'm sharing this is because as a mom, you have a bad mom moment. You have a bad day, and you start thinking, oh, I blew it here. I've lost all purpose. You can't equate your assignment with everything else. It will mess you up. So I want to encourage you because sometimes you give up on your assignments in life. You don't live out your purpose and your calling because you forgot who you are and your identity. I was to think through sort of the things in my life, um, my assignments, what has God called me to do. So let me sort of play this out with, with myself so maybe you understand a little bit better. Because I had a friend, he sent me a text the other day. He told me this. He goes, hey, Rex, when, when God is calling you to something, he's calling you to succeed. I'm sorry, he, he's not calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. And if you obey, you succeed. So a lot of times I think it's all about being that big success. He's like, no, it's about being obedient. It's about being obedient. So what's that assignment he's calling you to? So I have to think that through, okay? So what's, let me back up now. I told you my identity. So what's my purpose? What has God called me? What has God called Rex Stump? to do with his life. So after years of being in ministry and, and going through, you know, everybody said growing up, hey, you're going to be a farmer or a pastor. And I said, not doing either, you know, right? And I graduated from college. I moved to Wauseon 30 years ago, and here I am, and I'm figuring out what is my calling in life? So I wrote this down and, and, and put it in a place where I could see it. And uh, a lot of times when I do uh, clinics or sessions, we talk about purpose. I, I share what I believe my purpose in life is. And, and this is what it is. I, I believe my purpose, as God says, Rex, your, your purpose is to engage and encourage others to pursue excellence in their faith and their, and their life journey. I believe that's my calling. So as a pastor, I feel like God has called me to, to engage with the people of the church and people outside the church to encourage you to have faith in God and to grow in your faith experience and journey. I believe that's what God's called me to do. Almost like a spiritual coach. And I know pastors are called shepherds and that. But I believe that's what God's called me to do. So when I put that into now my assignments, here's my assignment. I'm a pastor and I'm a director for a sports-based ministry, FCA. Those are my assignments. And some of my assignments means that I might go out and talk to a team. So if I'm going out talking to a team and that assignment, I'm sitting there, what's my purpose when I talk to these guys? I want to encourage them. I want to empower them. I want them to know that they can have faith in Jesus Christ and they can grow in that. That's part of my purpose put into my assignments. Does that make sense? So there are times I'll go out and I'll talk to a team and I get blank looks. And I'm like, well, I'm like okay. I feel like I am failing, okay, because they're not getting it, okay? Now, does that mean my identity is wrong and my purpose is wrong? No. It just that means that this assignment I'm struggling with right now. But I want to be faithful to God, so I will keep going back until he says, okay, that assignment's done. You don't need to be there anymore. 
And then there's, there's times when God says, you know what? You've been faithful in this assignment. You've been obedient. I just want to let you know that it matters that you're here, that you're fulfilling this assignment. I was uh, a couple weeks ago, a week ago, I went to go uh, watch a college baseball team that I work with. And so when I show up at this team on a weekly basis, I'll go in and I'll maybe do some kind of example, some story, uh, maybe team builder, and, and then challenge them with a biblical principle. So we talked about sharks and goldfish. And I said, what's a shark? You know, give me some words. Like, you know, we, we did a game before this and they said, oh, aggressive, mean, attack. Okay, how about a goldfish? Cute, a pet. And it's like, okay, big difference, right? I said, now let's think about this. A shark sits in its little tank. I'm sorry, a goldfish sits in its little tank and does what? Feed me, feed me, feed me. That's all it does, right? That's what goldfish do. They just sit there and you just feed them. They're entitled to be fed in their little thing. What does a shark do? It has to hunt for its food. It has to be aggressive. It has to go out and attack. Proverbs, there's a, there's a proverb that says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Colossians 3.23 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Throughout Scripture, we're told to have passion, what we do for the Lord, and, and to work hard, right? We're like we're supposed to be like sharks for the Lord, so to say, okay? And I was using this as an example of them to help them with their attitude and their effort, because that's the only thing we really can control in life, right, is our attitudes and effort. And I challenge them to be sharks, right? So that was a talk one day, and there's always a little bit more to it. But So last week, I show up at their ball game. I'm watching. Just, I've not seen them all year. I go to watch them. And guy gets a double and he gets on second base and he looks over at the dugout and he's like, yeah. And I was like, what was that? And there was a parent sitting next to me and he knew me and they said, hey, when did you talk to the guys about sharks and uh, goldfish? And I was like, what are you talking about? How did you know? Oh, my son told me about the sharks and goldfish. He said, did you see what he just did? That was a shark fin. I was like, that's a shark fin? Cool. <laughs> right? And I was like so excited because here's why. I felt like God was saying, your assignment mattered. See, nothing to do with my identity. I'm living out my, my purpose in that moment, that time. Like I said, some assignments don't go like this, okay? But in that moment, it felt good. You know why? Because after the game was over and they won, they took a team picture with shark fins. <laughs> they tweeted that out, and I saw it later, and, and Coach was like, hey, Rex. You know, he's like, hey, guys, Rex is here. And they're all like, Rex. And they put the shark fin. I was like, I was like, you guys just made my day. I mean, like. I'm going to go home and eat peanut butter pie and drink coffee all night. I don't know. I feel like I'd do something like that, right? Reward or something. But see, I share that with you because we will have these moments when we, it's like that assignment, I was obedient. God said, good job. There's other times I was obedient and God says, you did a good job, but you're not going to get that, okay? You might feel like you just blew that assignment. And it's going to happen. But in those times, you realize you got to separate the assignment from your identity. Whether it's good or bad does not change who you are in Christ, in your identity. Because there are those moments when in the midst of what you're doing, you're not going to feel loved, moms. You're going to feel alone. And you're going to feel hopeless and discouraged. And you're going to be able to be challenged by these pressures of this world and the anxiety. And it's just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm, I'm trying to do my best, do my best. It's like, I understand that. And it's just your assignment right now as a mom is struggle, right? So let's do this, mom. Go back to your identity. Because when we go back to our identity, who we are in Christ, it helps us then go back to the purpose and what we're doing and what we're doing now with that new assignment. So open up your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Um, I know it's like, man, we're almost ready to wrap this up and we're just digging in. I, we're not going long. We're not going that long. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, you get the first and second Corinthians, it's a bunch of small books, and that's where the book of Ephesians is found. Ephesians chapter 1, let's start in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, and because we are united with Christ. Verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all of his wisdom and understanding. We need to underline that. Come back and just read that every day this week, okay? Don't have time to go through it all, but we need to reread this. This is a good one. Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. Listen very carefully. Every spiritual blessing comes from God. God is rich. He is so rich in spiritual blessings that he just wants to, you know, sort of put that out to all of us and say, I just want to bless you. I want to give to you, okay? Because I, I've got it all. You know how many billionaires there are in the world? There's like 2,153, something like that. That's yeah, the number of uh, billionaires in this world. That's a lot of billionaires. That's a lot of money piled together. Guess what? God's got more. He's got more. So much more. And we have to understand that he is so rich and he blesses us with himself. With his spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Well, like what? Let me hear you say that. Ask me. Like what? Go ahead, let me see. Like what? Well, let me tell you like what. Look at verse, uh, verse 4. What does verse 4 say? Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Here's, here's the like what answer. <laughs> he loves you. Now, some of us just sort of took that one for granted, right? Well, of course he loves us. We've seen that Jesus loves, you know, whatever. God loves you. So let me, let me ask you this. When's the last time you've been outside and you looked at God's creation and you said, that is awesome. That's incredible. See, we see the mountains. We, we see the flowers in the fields. We look about creation, sunsets and sunrises, and we say, it is beautiful, it is breathtaking. The Grand Canyon, didn't even know what to say when I was looking out over it. That's not my picture, by the way. But when you look out and you see these pictures and you say, wow, God is good. He is almighty. He is incredible. The stars in the sky. Now, you guys think that's pretty cool? That God would do that? Yes or no? Yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? He loves you more than those things. Let that sink in. The next time you see an awe-inspiring sunrise or sunset, just stop for a moment and say, you know what? He loves me more than that sunrise. He loves me more than that sunset, more than the ocean or the mountains or the flowers that you love. The incredible things in creation that you say, God is awesome. Yes, God loves you more than those beautiful things. Let that sink in. He loves you more. And sometimes we just need to stop comparing ourselves to everybody else. Moms, do me a favor. Social media today. Please take a time out and be careful. 
Because you might hop on social media. Oh, look what they did for their mom. Oh, they didn't give me flowers. Oh, they got chocolate and a restaurant. Right? It's going to happen. You're going to compare yourself to all the other moms out there and what they're getting. And all of a sudden, you don't feel loved. Be careful comparing yourselves to other moms. Let the love of God be enough for you today. Let the love of God be enough for you today. Look at verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us. He chose us. So first of all, God loves you. Second of all, he chooses you. Pick any person you can think of. That's, you, you highly respect them, their celebrity status. You've never met them before, but it's like, if I could just meet them, who would it be? It could be, it could be a singer. It could be an athlete. It could be uh, somebody in, in a position of power, whatever it may be. Okay? Everybody got a picture of him now? So let's say you're in this huge stadium, 100,000 plus people. You're up in the top corner, and uh, that person happens to show up that day, and they come down onto the stadium floor, and you're like, oh, look. That's the person I've always wanted to meet. Oh, this is so awesome. They're here in the same building. And you're excited, right? And then you see that person up on the, oh, they're on the jumbotron. Oh, I can see a better picture of them. Oh, wow. And then you see them walking across the stadium floor. And they walk into the first section down in the lower arena. And you're like, wow, they're going to go see somebody and maybe sit with somebody. And you're like, this is so cool. And then you see them coming up the next section. You're like, wow, they're, they're getting up to up here, way up here in the nosebleed. And Next thing you know, they're, they're coming up into your level. And you're like, wow, they're up on our level. This is a selfie from 500 feet away. You know, and you're like excited, right? And then next thing you know, they're not only in your level, they're in your section. And not your section, but your row. And they walk up to your row and they look down your aisle and they look at you. And then they walk, they excuse me, excuse me. And they get right up to you and you say, you, I want to be with you today. I'm, I'm picking you today to be with me. And you're like, me? <laughs> you choose me? That's God. Amongst all the sea of faces and a crowd, God picks you. He loves you. He picks you out. He chooses you. You didn't have to do anything. Oh, when we're young and kids, we got to be like the most popular to get voted, Right? And we've got to do this to get recognition. God's like, you don't have to do anything. Before this world was ever created, I already chose you. Before we were old enough to say really cool things or perform really great things, God says, I already chose you. See, I love you. And I'm picking you. Let's read on. It says that he chose us for what? To be Holy. Without fault in his eyes. Here's the thing. See, we are chosen to do something. We're chosen to live pure lives. First Thessalonians 4 verses 3 to 5 says this. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from sexual sin and each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and what he is, his ways. See, God says, you want to know what my will is for you? Because we always ask that, right? God, what's, my, what's your will for me? What's your purpose? He goes, to live a holy life. To live a holy life? Yeah. Look at it like this. You go into a store and there's a bunch of dishes and they're dirty and dusty and it's like some fine china and one's really crusty and dirty and, and, and you pick that plate up and you come over and take it in the kitchen you clean it off and it's beautiful, right? And then what do you do with it? 
You go outside in the back alley to the local restaurant, dig in their garbage, look for food with maggots and grow stuff on it, load up that plate and take it inside and bon appetit, right? No, 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 no. You don't take something that was, that was sort of a mess, clean it, and then make it impure again. God does the same thing with us. We're all messed up. We're all sinners. We've all blown it, right? And he picks us up and he says, let me clean you up. You didn't deserve this. But by my grace, I'm saving you. I'm cleaning you up. You want to know what my will is for you now? To live a pure and holy life. Keep it pure. That's what God's calling us to do. Part of our calling in life is to be separate from this world. We're not done yet. Look at verse 5. It says we're also adopted. God decided in advance and to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Look, and it gave him what? Great pleasure. God wanted this. God wants to adopt us into his, his family. Can you imagine going into a grocery store and you see a cart full of groceries just sitting there? I don't know if you've ever seen this before. And, and it's like, who does this belong to? Right? You ever seen that before? It might have been yours. You're like, oh, didn't bring my money. <laughs> you just sort of leave it, right? That, that happens. And sometimes in the emergency, you get a phone call like, what? And you just take off and you leave it, right? But if you can imagine that card is sitting here, it's like, well, who's going to take care of this? Who's going to, you know, and you sort of, here's what happens. Somebody comes along and is like, you know, I'm going to take this. I'll just take it up to the cashier and I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to take it home. That's adoption. Something that was left by itself that nobody seems to want or they just abandon it for some reason. And somebody else comes along and says, I want it. I'll pay for it. I'll take it home and make it mine. That's what God does with us. He looks at us and says, I'm adopting you into my family. I love you. And I want you to come home with me. Despite who we are, what we've done, God gives us that opportunity. Now, I love this because it's, it's incredibly hard. I, I think about people who do adoption, how awesome that is. Now, see, my, my family, my brothers, i got four brothers, one sister, so I'm the youngest of six. I remember growing up, I, was, I had red hair. Nobody had red hair in my family. I was bigger than everybody else. Nobody was big. And so they're all, my brothers, guess what they always said? You're adopted, right? Okay. So for a while there, I thought I was adopted because my brothers kept teasing me about it. And it's like, Mom, I adopted. You're not adopted. Who told you that? You know, again, same brothers that always did it. But anyway, I think about those who are adopted, how special that is. That God says, I want you to be in my family. That's what adopted parents do. They, they, they intentionally go out and seek another to love. But look at verse 6. It says, so we praise God for the glorious grace. What is grace? Getting what we don't deserve. We praise God for the glorious grace that he's poured on us who belong to his dear son. You might hear me preach a lot about this every week because the grace of God, what else can we preach about? It's the most incredible thing, right? When we look at all this, Understand this. You came to church today to worship God. And then I stand up here and say, you're loved. You're chosen. You're adopted. It's almost like a feel-good message. Like, man, it feels good, right? You know what? It's not about us. It's not about the ones who are loved. 
It's not about the ones who are chosen. It's not about the ones who are adopted. It's about who? God. The one who loves us and chooses us and adopts us. That's why we sing to him. It's because of his grace and mercy. And he has lavished upon us all these spiritual blessings because he is so rich in mercy and grace. So moms, you might have a bad assignment in one of your mommy moments, okay? That does not define you. It's just an assignment that might have gone bad. But you probably have another assignment the very next day. You get to live out your calling through some of those moments. But remember who you are, your identity for all of us. Know who you are in Christ. Let that direct your steps as you live out your purpose. And those assignments that come, they come and go. Those do not define you. Those are just part of what you do. What God's given you the opportunity to do. Worship team, would you come forward, please? You know, today, moms, hopefully you feel like really blessed and like, man, this is it's a good day. It's a good day, right? And, and you're going to get some maybe some love lavished upon you in ways you don't normally do, okay? So maybe these words that you heard today from God's word, and go back to Ephesians chapter 1, read them again. Maybe it's like, okay, thanks. Maybe you don't need to hear this so much today, but you might need it the next 364 days when it's not Mother's Day. In those moments when you were sort of frustrated and ah, it's been a, been a bad moment, been a bad day, been a bad whatever, go back to your identity in Christ. You are loved. You're chosen. You're adopted into his family. To God be all the glory. Amen. Would you please stand? Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. It's not about us, God, being loved and and chosen and adopted. It's about you, the one who loves us, who chose us, who adopted us. By your grace, paying the price with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Because of that sacrifice, because of that payment, we now have a new identity. I'm not just Rex Stump and I am a child of the King. My purpose isn't to, to make money or take care of my family, but to help others grow in their relationship with you. God, thank you for my assignments, my jobs, my opportunities to be a dad, to be a coach, to do different things with different people. Thank you for all those opportunities, those assignments. But God, they don't define me. So if I have a bad day, I have a bad day, but I have an almighty God. And God, even if the rest of my life was filled with rotten moments, I can still say thank you because you have given me eternal life. That is worth everything. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for everyone that's in this room today, those that are watching. Lord, may we know your truth. May that truth not only set us free, 
but empower us and encourage us to live holy lives that honor you. We love you, Lord, and we sing to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.